Hello everyone, welcome to Gamer Nerds. I'm your host Velvet and today I'll be talking to you all alone. I don't have a co-guest or co-host or a guest today. Um, it's a little more daunting than I thought it would be. I've actually put off recording this twice, but you know, I do have a schedule to honor and upkeep. So today I am going to be basically redoing the podcast that got lost back in that week we missed. Uh, the theme for today's podcast is actually going to be horror games and up basically upcoming horror games and then kind of just a deep dive into the nuances of horror as we digest it, I guess. Um, so the first and foremost of the upcoming horror games that I wanted to talk about is actually the Outlast Trials. It's a first-person psychological horror survival video game developed by Red Barrels. Uh, it's pretty. It's going to be the third installment in the Outlast series. It's going to be like a prequel to the first two games, and you are a test subject during, you know, like like the Cold War era, and it's almost Saw-esque without some of the grotesque horror. Well, who am I kidding? <laughs> There's going to be grotesque horror. We all know there is. Um, but it's a survival kind of game. Uh, it, it's going to be co-op. It's going to be on PC only, I do believe, and it should have one to four players. Uh, it's, it's projected come out date is 2021 so obviously this year we'll see um it looks rather terrifying it almost looks like the love child between like blood harvest and outlast which is really cool i can't wait for another trailer to come along and show us more of what they have to offer or you know just release the game already which would be cool uh the second game i want to talk about is dark deception uh it's a f episodic first person horror game developed by glow stick entertainment and from what i can tell uh the, the game already has four chapters and the fifth chapter is coming out soon which is why it's on the upcoming game list it's a first person horror game Pac-Man style. So you're running along, gathering up these little jewels, and basically trying to cover the entire map. There is a mobile version, but there's also a PC version. I don't know if there are any like ports for the PlayStation or the Xbox. I doubt it because there's nothing on it. Uh... The next one is more of a triple A kind of title. Uh, the, it, the next game is called Ghostwire Tokyo. And Ghostwire Tokyo it takes place in Tokyo, obviously, and is overrun by like deadly supernatural forces. Like the, the, the city looks abandoned and most of the population is vanished and you get like all these ghosty paranormal abilities and you gotta fight ghosts. And you have to figure out why everyone has disappeared. And I've only seen 
the one trailer. They do have a page on Bethesda.net. If you're interested, you could always go check it out. It is coming to PC and PlayStation 5, which I am sad about because I don't have a PlayStation 5, but I do have a PC that can run top tier games. So there's that. Uh, so it's from the developers who made Evil Within. Uh, they also have the head of the original Resident Evil design team, I do believe. So the designs are really cool. The game's projected, well, announced release date is, my notes say June 11th. So about halfway through the year, which will be really cool if they stick to that. The fourth game is called The Evil Nun, or Evil Nun The Broken Mask, and it's a remake of a, a phone game, actually, and it looks rather terrifying. From what I've gathered, you're basically playing hide-and-seek at, like, an abandoned summer camp, and it, it, it's just terrifying. The, the design of the nun is absolutely... Just, oh, oh, I do not want to ever meet her in a in a hallway or a, anywhere, really. It's also by Glowstick Entertainment, the people who are doing Dark Deception. So that's really neat. Its planned release date is somewhere in quarter two of 2021. So April, May, June, somewhere around there. It's only for PC, as far as I can tell. So the next game is called Scorn, and it looks like H.R. Geiger had his free reign on a video game. Uh, for those of you who don't know, H.R. Geiger is where they got the inspiration for Alien, the movie, and the game, obviously. And it's the, the game Scorn is a first-person shooter horror game, and it's developed by Ebb Software for... Um, I think it's PC and Xbox only, so no PlayStation fans, unfortunately. Um, you basically control this uh, skinless humanoid, and you're lost in this like fleshy, weird alien world. It's like living techno-organic flesh bone mixed with metal, and uh, from what we've seen, uh, the game does not... It, it kind of looks like Doom and Alien had a baby, and you can either go ham and kill all of the monsters, or you can play the stealthy game and hide from them. And I really like that, that ability to choose how you play a game, because I don't always want to go in guns blazing, or, you know, maybe you just don't have, you know, the ammo or whatever. So it's always good to have multiple playstyles available to you at least in games like this for me um so the projected date is 2021 again we don't have a specific date which i'm a little sad about but i can't do anything about that i'm not exactly you know a game designer uh the next one is I don't want to say it's more towards the indie scene, but it's a little bit indie. It's it it became super popular. 
Um, so Bendy and the Dark Revival is the sequel to Bendy and the Ink Machine, and originally it was going to be released in chapters like its predecessor, but they decided that they were just going to release the game all at once. And from what we've seen, uh, you are playing as Audrey, which is this human ink person conglomeration. Uh, apparently you have like these really cool abilities. And, you know, it, it looks really cool, really horror-y. It, it definitely looks... Horror-y. <laughs> Which is such a weird thing to say. It, ha it still has the Bending the Ink Machine style with, like, the cartoony, drawn-ish background. So it looks like we're still in that cartoon world that, uh, that you got thrown into last time. It almost it also reminds me a lot of Borderlands with, you know, the lined shapes on the face and the clothing and such, which is really cool. I've always liked the design of Borderlands and to put it in a, into a horror game was really fun. I don't know if we're going to be able to see Audrey, the main character that we'll be going well, that we'll be playing because Bendy and the Ink Machine was first person, so we didn't really get to see our own character. So if this is third person, we get to see Audrey, that'd be really cool too. Uh, there's no date announced yet, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be coming just to PC. I don't know for certain. So once I get an update on that, I will let you all know. Uh, the next one, the it's actually one I'm really, really excited for. Um... Okay, so I grew up watching horror movies with my folks, and Evil Dead was one of them. And I know a lot of people don't consider Evil Dead to be a true horror movie. They thought it was way too, like, comedic or, you know, that the, the, the main character was just too, you know, silly, basically. Which I always thought was not very good, because... Evil Dead was, in fact, a horror movie. Like, it, the, the main character just wasn't your typical protagonist, which was really cool. But, so, the game that's coming out is the Evil Dead. No, no, like, well, it's Evil Dead, semicolon, or colon, the game. So, it does differentiate from Evil Dead, the movie, and it's going to be developed by Saber Interactive and published by Boss Team Games. And it's going to be, obviously, based on the Evil Dead franchise. It's got co-op gameplay and player versus player. But it's going to be the asymmetrical kind of horror game like Dead by Daylight, Friday the 13th, Death Garden, that sort of thing. Which is really cool. It's going to be featuring Bruce Campbell as Ash Williams. It's got um, Dana DeLorenzo as Kelly. Ray Santiago as Pablo you know, all of these things, and it's going to be released for PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, which I never really got that, uh, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, the Nintendo Switch, which I'm stoked about, I always need more Nintendo Switch games, and for PC. So it's got great graphics, I mean, you get iconic weapons like Ash's Chainsaw, you know, fucking, it's... It looks so cool. One of the previews showed, like, the cabin from the woods from the Evil Dead film series. Like, it was just... I am 
stoked. Like, I, I cannot wait for this to come out. I'm honestly hoping it'll become bigger than Dead by Daylight, only because Dead by Daylight is shooting itself in the foot, as we talked about in my last podcast with my lovely fiancé. Uh, the projected date is 2021. Unfortunately, no specific window. So as that updates, I'll let you all know. And last but not least on our upcoming games is Resident Evil Village. And everyone is talking about Resident Evil Village. Everyone is having a cow over Lady Dimitrescu. Yeah. Oh god, I totally butchered her name. But yeah, t- big titty goth mama. That's what people are calling her. Um, they are losing their shit over her. Which, I, you know, same. I'm not going to fault anyone for being into that. Oh boy. Like, let me tell you, I would let her step on me. I probably will a few times just to watch Ethan die. <laughs> uh, which leads me to the, some of the main points that I wanted to talk about for Resident Evil Village. Uh, you do play as Ethan. Apparently, Chris Redfield, who I'm still not 100% convinced is, you know, Chris Redfield. Because he doesn't look like... He looks more like Chris from the previous games, but he doesn't look like the Chris that we got in Resident Evil 7. So I'm thinking there might be some, like, clone or, like, illegitimate clone child business going on with Umbrella. But we don't know. I I just... I, I don't think it's actually Chris in Resident Evil 7. I just don't. Um, basically Ethan and Mia are trying to rebuild their lives and they have a kid and it's super cute and you know all lovey-dovey and then Chris shows up and steals their baby and then just gives it to Lady Lady D, Lady X, Miss X? I don't know what to call her. I'm pretty sure she's a tyrant. Anyway, she big. (laughs) Um, so, oh god, I... The, the theme of Resident Evil Village, which has a really neat um, logo, the village part actually has the Roman numerals for eight, which I thought was really, really smart. Like, there's there's some good logo designs, and then there's just, like, god-tier logo designs. And Resident Evil Village is some god-tier stuff, not gonna lie. Um, so, the, the theme kind of going that I'm noticing is, like, vampires versus werewolves. Like, the, the, the cover or preview art or that we're seeing of Chris has, like, one half Chris's face and then the other half as, like, a wolf face. And then, obviously, Lady X, Lady D, whatever you want to call her, and her underlings all have, like, the bloody mouths, which obviously is supposed to represent vampires, which I feel is really cool. And, like, we're getting into, like, the cult feeling and the castle feel. It almost it almost feels like we're taking a, a reference to Resident Evil 4, you know, with the Los Illuminados. So, that's really nice. I was honestly hoping that we would have more older characters come in, like Rebecca. Rebecca deserves more screen time. I really think she does. Uh, we could have Sherry back, which I'd be super stoked about that. I'd love to see Sheva again. Um, like, on, I just, they have so many good characters that they could expand on in this universe that they've built. And they decide to go with Ethan. Ethan Winters, who is like the most blase, bland, white boy, cookie cutter, cardboard cutout stand-in 
that they could make. Like we we pretty much never see his face. He he's like got the snarky one-liners, but he has no real emotion coming through. And the, like his game starts up, and we're supposed to feel like three years, and you're gonna go run across the states when your wife messages you with like after no word, no explanation, no nothing. And then you find this really fucked up house. You don't just leave. Like, no. I I love my fiancé. She loves me. We would both just have noped. Like, just absolutely 100% just noped. Not gonna happen. Like, love, love is powerful, but so is survival. <laughs> so, like, I... On a, I wish Ethan had had more personality. And I get that he's supposed to be the blank slate stand-in because, you know, first person. And that's just... It's, it's better for first-person games when you don't have too much of a personality in your character. But there are ways around that. I mean, look at look at Alien Isolation. Like, you play as Ripley and you, you, you know she has a personality. Like... It, she has, like, set... <sighs> okay, don't get too angry here. Give me... Hmm. She has, like, wants and fears and desires and goals. And you know them. You, you don't even have to uncover them. Like, they're pretty much stated right off the bat. Like, at the very beginning of the game. And then Ethan is just this kind of blank slate. Like... Oh no, I love my wife who's been gone for three years who disappeared without warning. Like, he doesn't even assume that it's a, like, a prank. Like, honest, honestly, I would have assumed that someone was just doing a crank call. Because that's out of nowhere. No, no explanation. No, here's what happened. That's, that's not gonna fly, Hunzi. That's just, it's not gonna fly. Um, okay, so before I get onto a rant, the game does come out on May 7th. I have the game pre-ordered. I will be playing it. I will be doing a, well, a review on it, basically. Uh, it's coming out for the PlayStation 5, the PlayStation 4, Xbox Series X, Xbox One, and on Steam, which is really nice. I do see a bunch of the, like, really nice bundles which uh, like I really want to play this game because it looks really cool and you know Chris is back and he actually looks more like Chris which Chris's design has changed so much over the years I can't even begin to tell you well I mean if you've played Resident Evil and if you're listening to this podcast you more than likely do like y you know his, his, his design changes so much I mean like the design jump into 5 was more believable than the design jump into 7, if that tells you anything. Um, I have the standard edition. I didn't go for the collector's edition as much as I wanted to. It was just a little too pricey for my taste. And while the statue of him is cool, not cool enough to warrant another what 60 bucks I don't remember all right so I did originally have a few more games on this list but a few things happened uh, a few of them launched 
And then one hasn't gotten any new information since the last time I talked about it. So FNAF, Five Nights at Freddy's, a security breach, still has no new information. The, um, the, the, the statuettes that Scott Coffin has released are kind of telling about the gameplay, but also keeping a lot of hidden. He hasn't released as many teasers as he has in the past, which I'm a little disappointed by, but also really excited because that means he knows that the reveal will be worth it. Um, Medium is a game, or is a horror game, that released on January 28th. I do need to buy it. I have not yet. I just paid all my bills, so I'm going to see if I have enough to actually get the game. It looks really good. I, if I can't buy it, I will end up watching playthroughs and doing all that research to give you guys a good rundown of the game. And then the other one was Little Nightmares 2, which actually just released on February 11th. I still need to buy that one. It looks really good. I'm trying to avoid spoilers so I can go into these, like, as, as doe-eyed as possible. So... Here's to hoping that uh, money works out. But that covers the upcoming games segment. And this podcast isn't going to be as long, mostly because Salem and I did try to do this podcast, like overview, whatever you want to call it, but the file got lost. So I'm doing it solo now since she is trying to focus more on her life, getting things together and her streaming. Um, Next, next up, originally we were gonna, uh, we had planned to talk about our like our the the horror experience that stuck with us most re- in the recent time, and just for you know posterity's sake, I will mention that Salem's like stick out moment was Resident Evil Five, uh, the action adventure like the the zombies like kind of just running at you with like. Or was it four? I don't remember. <laughs> I'm awful. Wow, I'm a terrible sister. Um, but it was Resident Evil, and it was the the zombies running at you with you know weapons and such. And oh boy, that's I can I can agree that is terrifying, honestly. Um, but my most recent horror experience that really stuck with me was I was playing uh, Five Nights at Freddy's uh, VR, the Help Wanted game, the one that's already out. And I have it for PlayStation. Um, oh boy, let me tell you, you think those animatronics are big when you're playing on your computer and you're like safe, safely sitting in your chair. Oh boy, no. Ooh, oh boy, no. <laughs> um, so <sighs> there is a game mode where you can fix the animatronics and when you boot the game up there is bonnie sitting right in front of you with his stupid guitar and his stupid bunny face and he's massive okay like i reach out and chest height is his knee i have to look up at this bunny face and know that it's gonna attack me if i fuck up and oh boy that is that is absolutely terrifying because not gonna lie i did mess up 
I did get jump scared. And, and then there's another game mode that really stuck out, and it's called Vent Repair. Basically, you're stuck in this... I would I would call it maybe a three foot by a three foot box and you have three paths one to your left one to your right and one in front of you and at first it starts out pretty innocuous innocuous I think that's the right word um it starts out pretty innocent and you're just kind of doing the vent repair and then you turn and there's mangle right in your face and mangle is massive Okay, like he takes she they they take up the entire path down this down this tube, down this vent and just whole holy shit. And I know the first one is scripted. And like that's that's cool and all. So you know, no risk of getting jump scared if you don't catch them. But that doesn't stop it from being terrifying. And then they back up into the darkness and you can't see him anymore but you can hear them thumping around in the vents and you know that they're moving and if you don't keep your head on a swivel you're gonna get jump scared like you are going to get jump scared and boy howdy did I get jump scared a lot thankfully not in the first vent repair I don't even think in the second vent repair I think the the the, the neon vent repair did get me though but just the sheer size of the animatronics in Help Wanted is is massive. It's terrifying. Like, I cannot believe just, just how much better it translates when it's in VR. And honestly, like, I have a few VR horror games. And none of them really compare to Five Nights at Freddy's on, on VR. Like, I, I don't know what it is about Five Nights at Freddy's like I don't know what it is that they really nailed but like you you don't have free roam you are very much stationary unless you're like playing a specific game mode but still like you're, you you are you're stuck still and it's just it's you you have to play Five Nights at Freddy's Help Wanted VR like, you, if, if you want to understand what I'm talking about, because my words cannot do it justice. It is just absolutely mind-bogglingly terrifying. And, like, I just, I... I get anxious playing that game. I get anxious before I play that game. Because I know that, that they're there. They're gonna be there. Like, and, and that's not even including pedo hair. Or William, or whatever he is, okay. Like that's that's not even including him. This is this is just the animatronics that are gonna jump my ass, and oh boy, howdy! That's that's it's terrifying. Like I, I highly recommend anyone who has the money to buy Five Nights at Freddy's VR Help Wanted. Like, it's, it's so good. So worth it. And I, I don't even know how, like, how to properly express just how good it is. And, like, I, like I, like I said, I have other VR horror games, but none of them really translate well. Like, I had one where you got to move around this really haunted mansion, but just the, the frame rate or, or something 
made me nauseated while playing it. So like I, I was more concerned about not, you know, falling over while standing still than, you know, the horror of the game. Then I had another one that was like a, a, a boogeyman wraith shooter kind of deal. And that one was just more frustrating than anything because the the aim wasn't quite right. Like it's 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 just things like that. I just if anyone has any good recommendations for a virtual reality game, I have PlayStation VR, not the Oculus. I do want the Oculus though. I just don't have the space for it, even though I do technically have the money. Uh, the next portion that I wanted to cover was more towards like horror in general. It can be applied to horror movies, horror games, that sort of thing. But it's the 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 differences between a good jump scare versus good atmospheric horror, and and that also kind of ties into psychological horror, so like stuff that's just in your head versus like physical horror, so like gore. Um, jump scares are, in my opinion, cheap. There are good jump scares. There are very few games where I can forgive a jump scare just because it's it's good. Uh, thinking on it like Bendy and the Eat Machine. There's a part there's a part where you're walking down the hall and a cardboard cutout of Bendy just like pops out at the hall. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't hurt you. Like there's no horror. It just it just does. It just do. And that's that's kind of good because it's like it's a subtle jump scare. It's not a make you jump and toss your food or drink or whatever you're holding at the moment. But I, oh god, then you have like the other side of the spectrum where I was playing Until Dawn, and in Until Dawn, it's it's more like a movie than an actual game. Like there is gameplay, there's you know quick time events that sort of thing. But it plays out like a movie. And in the game, you have a therapist and he asks you, what are you most afraid of? And me, like an idiot, I told him I was more afraid of clowns than I was of scarecrows. So he started using clowns against me. Or, well, the game did, not, you know, the psychologist himself. But, so my character is walking up to this old abandoned truck that's just left in the snow. And he walks up to the mirror and then, bam! This this stand with the, the clown mask pops up and jump scares and freaks me out because I have chlorophobia. Okay? And, like, it just it throws this in my face. You know, no warning, no, no anything. Which, I mean, I know jump scares aren't supposed to have warnings. But I freaked out so bad that I had to stop playing the game. Just entirely. Just, just put it down. Didn't, don't care if I die. Just, just stop. Full stop. Turn off, turn off the whole PlayStation... That's it. Didn't go back for a week. It was just, it was just bad. Like it was, it, jump scares go for the shock factor. They don't go for the horror aspect. It's supposed to make you jump. Whereas if your game has good atmosphere, you're almost expecting a jump scare. But even if it never happens, you're still scared. So things like Outlast, you know, you're stuck in this really creepy asylum you you don't know you know what's gonna touch you what's gonna hurt you that sort of thing you're always expecting something even if it never happens and there are games 
where, where nothing ever happens. It just has the atmosphere. And, and those are such good games. And usually those kind of games just make good use of like scenery and you know, music and character design, that sort of thing. And <clears throat> honestly, if your background environment is good enough to induce like a horror feel, it is a character on its own. So that's good character design as well. And like I said, jump scares aren't bad, but I much prefer a horror atmosphere to a jump scare kind of game. And then like the other side of this is psychological versus like physical horror. So like a psychological game kind of ties into atmosphere. You know, you're expecting the jump scare. It's, it's, it's messing with your head. You know, you look over your shoulder right after watching a horror movie, you are too scared to turn off the lights while you run to bed, you know, that sort of thing versus gore, which is like the Saw movies, you know, like Saw makes a good use of both psychological and physical horror because it's pitting them in these terrible, terrible situations while also having, you know, the blood and the guts and the As much as I like the concept of Saw, I can't actually watch it. <laughs> Not because it's got gore. I, I don't care about gore, but because of the whole serial killer kidnapping people, it could theoretically happen. And that's the kind of horror movies I can't watch. You know, things that could actually happen. Like, I can I can watch The Tooth Fairy. No problem. You know, Friday the 13th. No problem. Nightmare on Elm Street. No problem. Halloween. No problem. You know, like, it, like those sort of things where it's like, okay, that's obviously not going to happen. And it's just... Even, even if the chances are really low, like, it, even if, like, if it's possible, I just, I don't, I don't even want to risk it for the biscuit. Like, the hills have eyes. I'm, I don't want to do that. I ain't going there. Uh-uh. You couldn't make me. I will never take a shortcut through an unknown part of a foreign town, you know, through the woods, that sort of thing. Like, not, no, not gonna happen. Mm-mm. I'm too paranoid. So... Honestly, I I prefer Honestly, I don't prefer I don't prefer psychological or gore. They're both good in my opinion because if if a game can freak me out without showing a drop of blood or, you know, physical harm, that's great. If a game can freak me out while showing tons of, you know, physical stuff but not the psychological stuff, you know, like the manipulation and the, the, you know, paranoia of the boogeyman, you know, that sort of thing. It's still good. So like, I honestly, I just love horror. I grew up watching horror. I grew up playing horror. It's just, it's, it's just what I grew up with. You know, I, 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 I have a hard time finding bad horror until, you know, you find bad horror, which is like, you know, constant jump scares, no actual atmosphere, no good storytelling, that sort of thing. Which is really disappointing, because I haven't really run into a game like that in a long time. But they do exist. And 
I wish they didn't. <laughs> I'm sure someone out there enjoys them, and good for them. I'm I I'm I won't ever shit on someone else's taste. I just kind of wish they didn't exist. <laughs> um. So speaking, of, like, in in relation to the atmosphere versus jump scare, blah 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 blah. Um, recently. I believe it was last Monday was my day off. So it would be the 15th, right after Valentine's Day. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Dal and I decided that we were going to watch a movie. And we both like horror, even though they're more of a weenie than I am. Like, not not even, like, not even throwing shades, just facts. Uh, so we decided that we were going to watch The Empty Man. And from the preview I'd seen, it looked like this kind of silly urban legend, bye-bye man kind of movie. And not saying bye-bye man is a bad movie. It was just kind of silly in my opinion. And so I brought my crochet project to the bed and I, you know, started crocheting and we started the movie and like not even five minutes in, my entire project was abandoned, thrown to the side of the bed. And I was engrossed in what was happening in this film. And, oh boy, like, that movie had such a good hook. Like, it had good, you know, visuals, good sound, good character, good acting. You know, it's, it was really enthralling. And for those of you who don't mind spoilers, this is your spoiler alert, uh, Basically, four friends go hiking, and one of them starts acting a little weird. And he starts walking forward, and he falls into this crevice. So his friend, like, hooks up a, a climbing rope, and someone else stays up top to be the, the weight distribution, whatever. I'm not really a climber. Um, and he goes down to get his friend, and his friend is sitting there. Like, like further in, he's just sitting there cross-legged. He's, he's physically fine. He's just kind of sitting there staring at this giant skeleton multi-armed monstrosity. And he tells his friend, if you touch me, you will die. And of course, you know, his friend touches him, brings him back up. They go find shelter in this cabin because there's a snowstorm and all of this spooky shit starts happening. And oh boy, is it good. Like, like there, there was not a single, well, okay, that's not true. I shouldn't say not a single. There was, like, maybe two or three jump scares. And they weren't, like, major jump scares, you know, with, with the loud noises and the flashing lights. It was, like, subtle jump scares. Good jump scares. Like, there's, there's a point where this lady, it, like, they're snowed in in this cabin and, the, and the, one of the girls thinks she sees someone. So she goes out and she's like, can you help us? And she sees, like, the, 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 the weird black shape out in the distance. And then, like, she, she keeps trying to talk to it. And suddenly the thing just starts running at her. And she freaks out. And she runs back into the cabin and slams the door shut. And it starts banging on the door. And, like, the n normally that would be, like, like, a jump scare, you know, kind of deal. Like, Wah! you know, with, like, the loud noise and, you know, some, something dramatic to to really emphasize that she's being chased but no it just it just let it be like it, it just let it, it it let the horror speak for itself and that's that's kind of what I really really like I like when they let the horror speak for themselves because you don't need to amp up the horror 
if you've already got the horror. So like, if 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 something new and surprising happens, I don't need an entire orchestra to tell me, oh no, something new and spoopy happened. Like, I, I really, really don't. It's just unnecessary. It's startling. And especially for people like me who have, you know, issues. We'll, we'll just say issues. Like, that, that sort of thing just isn't good. And I know a lot of people like jump scares. Or, you know, they say they like jump scares. But you can do horror without it. You really can. And I wish more people did. But yeah, so this is hashtag not sponsored. Go watch The Empty Man. We bought it on, I think it was YouTube. Anyway, doesn't matter. It was a very good movie. It, it, the last like five minutes were a little weird, but not like a disappointing ending. It wasn't like life where I just, I got up and like tossed my plate, empty plate and it just, fuck this, fuck this movie. I'll never watch life again. Because like, Life was such a good movie up until the last five minutes, and then it just ruined everything. And then, like, the last five minutes of The Empty Man was just kind of like, oh, man. Like, like not, not even, like, an angry disappointment. Like, like, a, like a resigned, like, yeah, that makes sense kind of disappointment, you know? Like, it was a good ending. It's just not the ending you were hoping for. And they didn't do that that cheap kind of cutaway last minute. Oh, she's going flying off in space and he's, you know, infected and falling down to earth. You know, like that was, that was such a cop out. Like, honestly, your movie can have a bad end without having it be an entire disappointment. It really can. yeah so thank you all for listening to my recap of a previous podcast unfortunately salem wasn't here to give their wonderful input because they were actually really good last time um for those of you who are interested you can find you can also find us on TuneIn, youtube breaker google podcast pocket cast radio public pandora Castbox, overcast and spotify thank you for listening and i hope you have a wonderful day